Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 63 of the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. As always, I'm joined by my good friend Clark Coffey, and I am Colin McFader. Um, how are things in sunny California today, Clark? Well, it is not sunny. I don't know, you know, uh, being up there in Canada, you may not have been hearing the news, but California has uh, been having a huge amount of rain lately. Oh, There's yes, been I did hear that, yeah. Massive flooding all around, uh, a lot north of us especially. I'm out here in Orange County, and we've had a ton of rain, but thankfully, at least where I'm at, we haven't had any like significant issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, like, friends have been um, sending me pictures, and I've been just like, I mean, because when it rains even a little bit in LA, like, you got to remember, like, it hardly ever rains here, right? Mm-hmm. So we might go 10 months and not get any rain. And then in a normal year, or at least the past five, 10 years, where we've been in quite a bit of drought, maybe we'll have, you know, five, six days where there's a little bit of rain the entire year. Um, mm-hmm. But but the city is just not designed to handle this kind of Large rain. Quantity, and so, yeah. yeah, it's like all the streets just flood. It's, you know, mudslides, the whole nine. So yeah, my mom we... was just down in Napa actually and, and uh ah. for a week and, and she was saying that. Yeah, it's like a, it was like a typhoon, right? That hit the... <laughs> I don't know. They're calling it like an atmospheric river or something, yeah. which I don't know what that means, but I yeah. do know that it's been a heck of a lot of rain. Now right now it's overcast and right before we started recording it was like crazy thirty mile per hour gust of wind and wow. raining sideways. So that has stopped for now. So hopefully it'll be nice and quiet for the yeah, recording. Keep the roof on, yeah. Of our wonder, right? And hopefully the roof <laughs> won't fly off the house as we record this. But anyway, uh, but aside from that, we're happy to get the rain, and I'm also happy to talk about my selection mm-hmm. uh, this episode, which is Kevin Smith's 1994 film, his his first film, his breakout film, Clerks. Didn't. Salsa shark. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Throughout history, they have been a part of our American life. Men and women who have made it their mission to serve their fellow man. They've worked hard enough. Isn't it time? They had their own movie. Clerks. This job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. I I don't bother them and they don't bother me. I can do without the people in the video store. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. What do you mean there's no ice? You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. (laughs) You're a clerk, paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. convenience store do you run here? Miramax Films presents... You think anybody can see us down here? Why? Do you want to have sex or something? <sighs> can we? Clerks. Just because they serve you doesn't mean they like you. You hate people, but I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? Featuring new music by Soul Asylum, Corrosion of Conformity, Bad Religion, The Jesus Lizard, and music by Alice in Chains. I'm especially interested 
to discuss this film with you, Colin, for a couple of reasons. Like one, because our like generational difference, I, you know, mm -hmm. I was, I was a kid just a few years younger than you when this film was released, I was graduating high school and obviously a totally different time back then. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I'm really interested, A, to kind of like hear about your experience watching the film, kind of what you think about it. Uh, I'm also really interested because this film is kind of like smack dab in the middle of what might be the most important era of cinema for me personally in my life. It's kind of maybe tied for the decade of the 70s, but I, I have extreme fondness for this era mm -hmm. of cinema. So no, it's understandable. That, I mean, it, it's it's. The 90s, late 80s and, and early 90s are very interesting to me because yeah. they were kind of this perfect storm of the liberation of what it took to make a movie. You know, mm -hmm. you had not only were like things like 16 millimeter cameras and things like that becoming cheaper and, and you know, in other words, more affordable to shoot with. Right. Um, but you had the advent of like wide range video. Um, mm -hmm. you had all this stuff that was kind of yeah. allowing a lot of different people to suddenly be able to make movies for the first time, which is quite yeah. interesting. Um, you know, of course there had been super eight and eight millimeter and stuff like that since the, the thirties and forties, but those cameras were still expensive and they were still kind of tough to use. Whereas the 16 millimeter cameras at this point had become so sort of digitized, um, that they were, they were actually not that difficult to operate. Um, right. if you basically, you know, knew the basic functions of what you were doing. Um, so it's a really interesting period of film where you had well, like there was all a, these, there was these a market. indie darlings as, as you might call them yeah. right and there was a market and yeah. i mean and yeah. i think i think there still is one today but i mean there was a market that people like miramax and other studios were were interested in mining mm -hmm. uh so there mm -hmm. was like uh there was a channel of distribution and obviously this is an era before the internet um before streaming and so mm -hmm. it was like this sweet spot where these films were receiving like wide theatrical releases, you mm -hmm. know, and it's the market also, wasn't so saturated too. It, like, wasn't, it wasn't so saturated. So saturated yeah. And, and this is really key and it'd be remiss to, to miss this. Cause I think this is maybe one of the, the largest, if not the largest um, motivator of this film industry is that this is where you really have the at home video, physical media market blowing up. This is where you mm -hmm. have VHS in the, in the first part of this movement, VHS widespread, tons of rental market purchase market a after a while it was rental first and then you have of course the, like the, when dvds were released it was just an, an explosion of physical media sales so you had movies that could actually get by on they could get their budget back budget mac back and actually make money yeah, <laughs> yes, get, yeah. Their budget budget back. Back. <laughs> get their budget back and 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 make money off of physical media rentals and sales. Uh -huh, so yeah. that was a big, big, big part of this, right? Um, but and yeah. This one, so doesn't, this one doesn't necessarily count as this, but it was also kind of, there, there had always been sort of like straight to video in, a, in an essence, not always, mm -hmm. but as soon as like the advent of VHS and things like right. that. But this era kind of, again, like you said, changed that where it wasn't just the worst of the worst being put straight to video, it actually became quite a lucrative, like you said, market that, that yeah. you know, studios would make things, you know, higher budget movies that would just go straight to video instead of re releasing on... Uh, or have like know, narrower theatrical. theatrical releases yeah. or would have yeah. a theatrical release, but the studio wasn't worried about having to make all their money back on a theatrical release yeah, because so they could take they a few knew more risks. They, yeah, so they yeah. could take more risks. So there's, it, it, I think, a lot of reasons why it's also, you know, there's a whole 
I think, cornucopia of, of kind of industry-wide or culture-wide reasons why this existed. And, and people who are much no more knowledgeable than my could I could probably go way into that. But let's talk about this film. And I, I'm super curious. Let's start off with your experience watching this film. Now, I know you said you had seen it before when you were mm -hmm. younger. So I'd be curious to know kind of like what you thought of the film um, when you first saw it and, and what you thought of it now uh, I, as being somebody who's almost 20 years younger than me. I'm super curious mm -hmm. to hear about your experience. Yeah, um, I, think I'm, I think I'm exactly 20 years younger than you, actually, because you're 78, right? 1978 78 years old i'm 78 years old i'm 98 so so there you go no i'm 76 i've 76 so i've even got a couple more yeah so um so the for me i mean i had a so i saw this for the first time i think in grade nine it was like right at the start of grade nine it was actually an interesting point in my life because i had gone to um you know i just started it at an arts high school um, and didn't know a lot of people because it's kind of like the whole region. How old is grade nine? Like, how old are you in grade nine? Uh, I would have been 14. 14? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, okay. Ours so that's divided. young. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, yeah, I was 14 um, and I was going to this arts high school um, and I didn't know a lot of people um, there because, again, it was like the whole region went to this high school. And um, I had maybe three friends from my middle school that went there. And one of them, thankfully, was like a, one of my really close friends who I had made movies with growing up and things like that. Um, and he is, was, and I think still is, um, a huge Kevin Smith fan, like loved Clerks okay. and, and, and... Which is interesting because yeah. this friend is your age, I'm assuming, right? Like Yes, yeah. You're like barely teenagers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so so he really, you know, I think both of us just being into like film for so long you just you just kind of find a niche i guess right and and mine might have been a bridge too far and his might have been clerks <laughs> okay um, yeah but so he so i saw this movie with him the first time um and i and also you're watching it thing, on like vhs right i'm assuming yeah i think it was probably the same it was probably because this is the same friend who i had seen aliens for the first time with a few years prior to this um and it was always like, like a VHS recording of, of okay. A, what year this would have this been? Twenty twelve or oh, it could have been DVD though, right? Then? Oh yeah, yeah, it could have been. But I think that okay. he had the um, he had copy video recorded, <laughs> yeah, like the okay. TV broadcast. So he had like a dub. He had like a dubbed broadcast of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There was. I remember there because I remember all the swearing was was like blanked Leaked out oh my gosh i can only um, imagine that had to have been every some of the scenes word. are just silent basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and so i i i have an interesting kind of history with this movie just because yeah. so he, because he really liked it he also always like throughout high school and then he wound up going to film school when i didn't um and he always really went in this kind of style this very okay. um you know like he's a huge fan of of Kevin Smith, Michelle Gondry, like these kind of that kind of very handheld style of of you know low budget filmmaking in, in that sense. And so, like I remember, we used to when he was in first year university, we'd like like all of his movies were like black and white, and they were just like people having kind of like semi improvised it's like conversations. It's like and, it's like recorded theater. Yeah, yeah, is and, what and I call it. Very yeah. much inspired by like Clerks and 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 that kind of thing, and mm. um. And so I, I kind of honestly, by the like sixth year, seventh year of doing this with him, got really sick of it. 
<laughs> like I was just <laughs> like, oh my god, I never want to hear the word clerks again. Wait, wait, um, would, he, would he? Would he? Would he like? Did he ever like quote any? Like you guys are just hanging out. Did he ever like? Like, you know, like you guys are hanging out, like having a burger at the like the fast food joint. And he's like, snoochie boochies. Like, did he ever like quote? No, any thank of the- God. I think I don't <laughs> think we would have been friends anymore. But <laughs> but no, like the, you know, the whole conversation about like Return of the Jedi versus Empire Strikes Back oh, and things yeah. like that. You know, I mean, things that like that would be. Um, that, that conversation, I mean, eventually literally like made its way into like the cultural lexicon. Yes. I think yeah. like that actually. I think permeated culture that yeah, that little yeah, conversation. Yeah, no, people. I mean, it's funny watching it now because you go back and realize, like, it seems like a cliche now that yeah, conversation yeah. because. But it's this but it's film not, kind of yeah. yeah. And it, it it's also interesting. Just a, a quick side note, um, because even when I was a kid, and um, especially when this movie came out, like there wasn't that kind of cool in quotation marks version of like nerd culture. Ooh. Like it was still quite mm-hmm. an isolated group where it was like comic books and like the like even star wars was although it was like big it was still you know relegated to to like fans and things like like that if you did anything that more than watch the movies you were Mm -hmm. a nerd right like like if you collected like memorabilia or like you know like yeah you were a nerd and and you're right clerks where's where's yeah is before that clerks is right on the cusp of and well Actually, that's not true. I, you know, I'm not an expert in this, but I feel like, you know, nerd culture really came into its own. I mean, maybe you've got a better grasp of this, but maybe was it like 2010s? Yeah, or? no, it was the Marvel movies that yeah that, that like did it. I, I think, and and yeah. we've we've briefly discussed those before. I don't think and either I say of us nerd are... culture like totally lovingly. By the way, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I was a huge nerd when I was young, and I'm still a huge nerd for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you know, my or at least I'm, my passions lie in different places rather. But I'm like a super cinema nerd, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like nerd is just kind of like a word you use to describe like, hey, I'm super passionate about something. Now, yeah, like a super know? fan of yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. no, and so it's it is interesting to watch because the conversations that they have again about like star wars and things like that which would have been totally hilarious at the time and again even when i was a kid because it's like oh look at these two like right you know it's poking fun of them they're like god these like you know deadbeats that just talk about star wars all day and yet that would be a totally normal conversation to hear at like a an office now like um but and but so so it's a it's interesting to see the difference in culture um and it also to me I don't know. I kind of, I don't want to say I have a love hate relationship with the movie because I don't, there's nothing that I would so strongly as to say I hate about this movie. Nothing to that degree. Um, But I will say that it is a very interesting look at, and especially rewatching it now as to why it never clicked with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And And why do you think that is? Why do you think think, it never clicked? I think it's purely stylistic. You know, I think that for me, I always found that it felt like, and this isn't, you know, a knock at it, but this is just more how I took it, was that yeah. I always found it it felt more like a kind of like pilot for a, a sitcom or something than a, right. than like a, a movie. And um, I think I just, I was into and still am into like even on these really low budget kind of movies, um, like trying to punch above your weight, whereas this, to its credit, really lives within its like weight class yeah you yeah, know yeah. like it it doesn't try that. to do anything more than what they could afford and i think that that's kind of what just never 
super got me interested into it. Like I, I always right. just kind of found that I would watch it and be like, respectable. I get why it's kind of like this this cult right. classic. I can I can see and I love the story about how they made it. You know, I as always there's like a huge charm to to especially in this era, but still to this day of just like people who are really passionate with no money going out and just getting yeah. their friends and family to help out on this movie. So I think that that's really great. I you know that then it's a huge inspiration to pretty much everyone that yeah, makes movies. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of the actual subject matter, the content, the way it's shot, um, it's just not, to quote Spike Lee, who's in the special thanks this movie, it's not my cup of tea in that sense. But the other thing that's interesting <laughs> Wait, did, is, is that really a Spike Lee quote? Yeah, that's what I he said like when, uh, that's what he said when the Green Book won, uh, won the ah. Oscar. He said, that's not my cup of tea. But, um, but the other thing too is maybe through this conversation today, maybe you will, open my eyes to things okay. I hadn't really thought about. So well, so who knows? I'm I'm open minded. Okay. Well Maybe let me I will come out with a whole new perspective. Okay. So so let me just let me summarize then to make sure I kind of understand what you're saying. So if if I'm hearing you correctly, you're like, okay, I it's an inspiration and I love the story, Kevin Smith's story, how they made the film and no budget, that kind of jazz. And and I so I appreciate all that, and I appreciate like its its place in kind of indie cinema history. But I'm not really drawn to the the subject matter or the way in which that subject matter is presented technically and stylistically as a film. Do I mm -hmm. roughly have okay? Yeah, and I think that's yeah. totally fair. So for me, like real quickly, I'll summarize my personal experience. I mean, I honestly can't even remember when I first watched this film, but I'm sure it was I. I did not see it in a theater, but I'm sure I saw it very soon after it came out on mm -hmm. video. And, you know, this is an era of, you know, slackers, uh, El Mariachi, Robert Rodriguez, uh, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. I, I feel even Natural Born Killers, you know, which was obviously a studio film. And Oliver Stone, it, it feels like that felt like a, a, a really like pushing the envelope, almost indie kind of film, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So there's like this, it's in the middle of this huge explosion. I'm like just starting college. So I'm like, I feel like I'm, you know, the perfect demographic for this film, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm perfect demographic. Um, but, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't think like the subject matter, I remember watching the film and like and hearing about it long before I saw it, like, you know, Kevin Smith, he's like, cause, cause there were these two parallel stories, right? There's kind of like Quentin Tarantino, um, outsider, uh, guys working at a video rental store, mm -hmm. uh, makes good, you know, does Reservoir Dogs, does Pulp Fiction and Sundance and, you know, through the moon and, and same kind of story with Kevin Smith works at a convenience store, uh, total outsider uh, makes a film Merrimax really and they're both Merrimax kids too right um, and uh, and and goes to Sundance and achieves success as a filmmaker so there's mm -hmm. kind of like both of the they're almost like Horatio Alger like you know independent filmmaker you know dreams or stories right that you can kind of if you aspire to do that and you're an outsider, you can kind of hold that as an example, right? And and so I that's yeah, so the inspiration part was huge for me. But I'm a little bit in your camp, so I don't know if I'm like gonna be able to convince you to think very differently about it because I do kind of share some of your thoughts. I mean, I you know, the sense of humor that's in this film is not really my sense of humor for the most part. Um, and stylistically, of course, it leaves a lot to be desired. Now, boy, 
what I will say though is that I'm so grateful that this film and that Kevin Smith exists mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of his filmography. And I guess like, I don't know, you're right. It's like, is it love, hate? It's not love, hate. Cause there's nothing that I hate about any of this, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I mean, I think I gravitate towards a different style of film as well, but there is definitely this spot in my heart for Kevin Smith and his films, almost in spite of myself. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I watched this film. And it's like clear it's made by everybody who made this are amateurs. But that's like part of the charm, right? It's like, I think everybody who worked on this film had no experience. The actors were like local theater actors or, you know, with with little to no experience. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the the cinematographer, I think it was like the first thing he had ever done or close to it. You know, obviously it's the first thing that Kevin Smith had ever written and directed. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like really hard to hate the story of of them you know putting this film on their credit cards and putting everything they have into it and then finding a way to 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 put this in front of an audience is just an extraordinary story you know like like and especially in an era where you can't look this stuff up on the internet i mean how they found out to you know to go to the uh iffm i think it was at the time that was at the like the independent film festival market or something which mm-hmm. I, I don't think exists anymore right and and then the luck of having somebody see it there at, you know and then taking it to sundance from there and then selling it to miramax and having it re-released and then i mean it's undisputable it's like you can't dispute kevin smith's career after that you may love or hate his films or feel mm-hmm. like they're somewhere in between but He's almost got like a mini media empire. I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think he's in production on a 17th feature film. He's, and he's done multiple sequels to this, to Mallrats. He's made yeah, his, like Clerks Three universe. just came out. Yeah, and and so yeah, and he's got this entire like view askew universe. And and I even recently watched Clerks Three, and you know I don't know that his filmmaking has really you know it's 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 the same almost kind of filmmaking. Frankly, I mean you're not going to be watching this. For it's like, uh, you know, it's cine- it's it's stylistic, you know, technical achievements. Mm-hmm. But there is like a heart some in is somewhere in there. There's like some kind of like, it's like some kind of sweetness. Honestly, yeah, no, I it, it like. definitely. I mean, I think it's the charm of this also comes from that like when somebody you know really really loves it, you kind of get value out of that pure. Like again, my friend, yeah, having loved this movie and 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 that style for so long it does bring me back to like it kind of you have little flashbacks of like me watching this just kind of feels like being out the back when i delivered pizzas and we like shot a scene after i got yeah. off work one day and it's him, endearing like, eating pizza behind my place and i was still in my domino's uniform and stuff like that and, <laughs> you know so it's like you you can think back to i think that that's the thing is that you know i I'll say, like, if you compare this to something like Days to Confuse, which had a way bigger budget. Days to Confuse had a, I think, six or seven million dollar budget, um, but similar in style of, and not visual style, but in terms of just like it's it's kind of a a plotless um, like hangout movie in a uh-huh. way. Right. Um, the difference is that like Days to Confused is again shot really well looks really good yeah. is is you know shot on 35 yeah. millimeter and things like well, that um, it's clearly it, again, a professionally made film right yeah, yeah and and whereas this does have like despite the fact that even at the budget level of of kevin smith you know when i made the feature that i made which was a 
without the same amount of money that he had um mm-hmm. i did i chose completely different you know stylistic paths sure uh, to put it that way yeah. um and yet i still watching this movie like yeah you kind of can't help but smile especially as someone who grew up making movies and i'm sure you feel this kind of way too is that absolutely is that like you just kind of you feel the 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 passion and the fun that they must have had making this just kind of flow out, off the screen and so absolutely so yeah and, there's there's totally a, and, a charm and, and and something that i love and yeah. look i and we you know i feel like and i want to be clear on this though like because we're kind of saying well you know i I, I'm not really uh, for the film because of its like technical uh, aspects. But look, I've seen a lot of way. I've seen way worse. Okay. Oh yeah, at higher and, budget, <laughs> and, at a much higher budget, and, and especially when it comes to the writing. Now, like obviously, uh, these things is there's a lot of subjective taste involved, right? But watching it again now, uh, and it's been so long since I've seen it. I watched it just last night. I mean, there's there is no doubt that there is a talent in kevin smith's writing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it, again and it may not be stylistically something that like you know is quote unquote your cup of tea like you said but mm-hmm. you you cannot deny that there is a freshness in his writing there's a uniqueness and even delivered by these amateur actors still lands somewhere like still mm-hmm. works it's still interesting right well, and that's I'm what i'm not takes... bored when i watch this movie i'm not bored yeah. and i mean look and it, i kind of i call this like it's like filmed theater is what this is right this mm-hmm. is basically mm-hmm. a play right you you have a camera that's almost entirely static i don't know if it ever moves frankly i don't think there's a single shot that's not on sticks and almost everything is like a medium like two shot almost everything right and you just have people talking and they talk till the scene's done. And then we go to another scene where there's a couple people talking. Um, that's theater. Um, but if you made this a play, you'd be like where you're kind of supposed to focus on the dialogue, on the writing. You'd be like, mm-hmm. holy crap. You know, I'm almost surprised that they haven't made this a play, to be honest. I'm really surprised. Yeah, that- like that there isn't some like, even yeah, like a, a, a like a bigger... Some- well, some kind of revival, of yeah. right? Some yeah. kind of like like off Broadway, like Clerks, you know. Yeah, I'm really surprised that they've not gone that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I really want to give props to the writing. That's, I, I mean, this is especially for it's his it's his first feature. It's his first thing he's written, as far as I know. At least mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a Kevin Smith scholar, but I don't remember ever having read that. You know, he wrote like 15 scripts before this and. And, you know, and this was the one that he got made, I don't yeah. think, you know. Um, it, it, it takes a lot of, I think it's it's an, an unrecognized talent to wrangle non-actors yeah. um, the way that he does. Um, yeah. That there is, like, because you can always tell the people who are are sort of more like his actor friends versus the people that he just were like, I was like hey, I need, I need some help. And, and yeah. you, you can always tell because the people that he's, that are helping out you know, aren't great, but he does something really neat, which is that he just basically gets them to go to 11. And <laughs> it's like they're, so that their energy kind of makes yeah. up for the fact that they're not actors. And and, and it That's works true. out really That's well. And it, it, it takes a, you know, again, it, it it's, a, it's a pretty good choice. And um, it takes a lot of talent to be able to like wrangle that kind of amateur well, talent into something like this, right? And le- I think it's an extension of his, uh, I mean, 
of his personality. I mean, look, it takes a huge amount of talent. I mean, so you know, as somebody who's who's made a film yourself, a feature-length film, you know how even with all the modern technology that we have, you can you can go buy a camera for a few thousand dollars and you can shoot something in a way that, you know, would have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars just a couple of decades mm-hmm, ago. Mm-hmm. Sound is so much, I mean, everything technologically is so much easier and it is still so difficult. Yeah. To to yeah. to to get a, f- a finished feature film much less a decent feature film much less have that film actually see distribution and be seen mm-hmm. by an audience. I mean it's for people who haven't tried it it's hard to overstate how difficult that really is. Mm-hmm. And I have a tremendous amount of respect and a, 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 for Kevin Smith not just for that project for but being able to take that project and create so much from it. I think is really impressive. And, and I would just say too, like a little, you know, note for aspiring filmmakers. I think there's a lot to learn, uh, about promotion for it. There's a lot to learn period about mm-hmm. Kevin from Kevin Smith's career, but I'm really impressed with his, his ability to promote. And I think this is another thing where he and Quentin and even Werner Herzog really illustrate the importance of that for a long standing successful career. Um, all of them are in their own totally unique and different ways, extremely active personalities and, and really effective in their own promotion. Yeah. You know, they all peaks, speak publicly frequently. They're all really fans of what they do and kind of, and like soldiers of cinema in their own very unique ways, mm-hmm. very different ways. And I'm really impressed by all of them. And I mean, you look at Kevin Smith, I mean, he's he's maybe more of a performer than all of the people in Clerks, which I think is really kind of interesting if you think about it. He's the director of Clerks. He's Silent Bob. He almost never speaks, but he's actually the the biggest, the most natural performer of every uh, of all the cast in Clerks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah. He he goes out on stage and does Q and A's and practically stand up, and, yeah. and made that a huge part of his career. He's got a podcast empire uh it's amazing yeah no he he it's not to just repeat what you've said but yeah it 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 um is something that i learned a ton about which is just that um you know i again this it's it's very much an, an inspiration simply because of the fact that i in this day and age is very different with social media and things like that but um if you look at like so like I, again, like you said, I, I did the feature and then, but at the same time, like I never stopped posting on, on YouTube, like, like not how to videos, but just like technical videos about, about film and, and kind of analysis videos or, or short films. And then we do this podcast and we do, and it's like, it's very interesting to see someone who is like just saturated their life yeah. in what they want to do. Um, and I do, I think that it, it's also interesting that, that you have someone who, took what he made from this so you've got jay and silent bob you've got all these Mm -hmm. different like avenues of 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 these characters and and i think that's why to me that's why earlier i said it sort of feels like a pilot of a sitcom in a way because Mm. this has gone on to you know he's made like this view askew uh universe has has it's like it's huge 11 or 12 movies now right um and and comics and you know yeah again yeah. it's like i mean there's it 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 it's surprising its breadth um 
and depth and and it's really you know, and they're I not all the same thing too right the no. dogma yeah um like he's got all these different kind of chasing amy like they're all yeah. just sort of like uh they're very different movies but he's he's done something really interesting which is yeah like have this interconnected kind of cinematic universe before that was even a term and i i think that's that yes that's important to note and i and i think it's like i think it's extremely interesting and it i mean and to me it's really inspiring to see you know so much blossom out of this one film and you know and i think too it's you know because I've I've kind of been torn, you know, it's like sometimes I'm like Kevin Smith, darn it, you know, I sometimes I watch your films and I'm frustrated a little bit, you know, it's almost like I wish they were a little better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and you know, <laughs> uh, especially technically sometimes, but I'm like, you know, there's like, there's some good stuff in there, man. Like there's some like there's some good stuff in Clerks. There's some really mm-hmm. good stuff in Chasing Amy. There's some really interesting stuff in Dogma. I mean, these like, look. In a world where, in a world of Marvel films, in a mm-hmm. world of reboots and sequels. And corporate cinema. And I, I am so grateful that Kevin, Smith voice, Kevin Smith's voice is still here. Mm-hmm. And I think it means more now than almost ever before. And, you know, so I look back at Clerks and I wonder, and I'm curious what, you know, I, like what would this film look like today? Like, what would a modern Clerks even be? Or would well, it even exist? that's a really interesting question, too, because yeah. I think it also goes to show the pros and cons of the ease of technology these days, mm. which is, to me, um, you know, you can say what you want about the, the technical aspects of Clerks and how it's it's very clearly shot super low budget, and yet, sure. because of the fact that they're shooting on 16 millimeter celluloid film, you mm-hmm. have to take immense care to make sure you're getting what you're getting. Yeah. So you still have to light the shots. You yep. still have to frame because you have to make sure that you're not missing something because there's no video out feed. You're just looking right. through an eyepiece that, that is a mirror. It's not like you're seeing exactly what the film's getting. Exactly. So there's still a ton of care that you have to put in. And it's kind of goes to, to what I've always said about like, a made-for-TV movie in the 80s could be, and in many ways is, more entertaining than a lot of things that are theatrically released today just because every single person working on those things, just by the technology they had to va- available, had to be an expert at what they were doing or else it wouldn't work, right? You know, that's a good um, point. That's and a so good point. you see this and it's like, okay, yeah, lots of handheld, um, lots of very, like, askewed framing, intentionally askewed framing, and, and like, very kind of kinetic camera work that's very again low budget sort of sort of skater cam in a way um like we talked about in uh, being john malkovich sort of in in a sort of similar vein um mm. and yet if this movie was made today um let's say not even by kevin smith but let's say that it was like a an alternate universe where kevin smith didn't exist and somebody wanted to make something like this today some other person right. and they'd grown up in the 2000s and they were however old kevin smith was when when he made right. clerks do you know how old he was like early 20s I, okay I'm so he's probably sure. like my yeah. age um yeah you make this fair. today and it's either shot on a you know a dslr or maybe even an iphone um he was 24 but, when it was released so okay he was so he's probably exactly tw- he's exactly my age. yeah yeah. yeah 
and I was 22, 23 when I made daylight. Um, like a kid, a kid today would be shooting with like a mirrorless, you know. Yeah, or, uh, or again, like if you had no budget, you'd be doing it on 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 an iPhone or like an old okay, Canon, yeah. a Rebel. And so the but the difference there is that um, you don't have to have a lot of skill to capture an image these days. Right, you don't. So if you were somebody that was like, well, I've got this funny script about these people that are working in a convenience store. Well, you show up and you're like, okay, the fluorescents are fine because I can see what I need to see. It's bright enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't need to think about lighting. Um, oh, well, the mic is built into the camera, so I don't need to record sync audio. <laughs> oh. And so you just wind up having this. And I'm not saying that that would be Kevin Smith today. You know, yeah, yeah, he yeah. would be lazy by any means. But I just mean that like, if you had this kind of style of filmmaking be born today, I think you'd get a lot of crap just because people, Kevin Smith never made a movie before but he he knew that you had to light and so this minute that you have to to get a light to make sure the film is exposed well then you're automatically going to be thinking about well where do i want to put that light how does that light affect the shadow here so you're automatically kind of forced into thinking about those things you're automatically forced into thinking how do we get good audio because we are recording on tape we need to make sure we get good audio and this day and age because the technology is so accessible and so easy and because you don't have to think about things like lighting because you can put your camera to you know 250,000 ISO and you know <laughs> who cares if there's there's no like lights available um yeah. <laughs> it really has made and I don't mean to sound like a pessimist but I just I noticed that there's a lot of really lackluster stuff because you're just sure. kind of like right you you can capture an image but but what what are you really capturing, well, right? And, and here, even further, so a couple things you make me think of. One, I'll, uh, I'll speak to that's like small. I just don't, I don't know if you know this little piece of trivia and just for people out there, but I think it's, you're talking about lighting and the fluorescence and things. That's actually why they wrote in that metal shutter mm-hmm, being stuck mm-hmm. closed was so that they wouldn't have to worry about the sun mm-hmm. inside the store. The yeah, different, and they could different, shoot at night and day and things like and they that. They could shoot yeah. at night and day and they wouldn't have to worry about mix matching color temperatures and everything. So that's actually why they wrote that in there. Mm-hmm. So that they could they would limit those variables and make it easier for them to work because they did have to worry about light. It's also why they chose black and white film. Mm-hmm. So they actually do have like there's fluorescence, fluorescence, there's tungsten, and because they had to just use whatever lights they had, and they they didn't have the budget to go out and like match color temperature bulbs or things like this. That's a, that's another reason why they shot black and white. In addition, yeah. of course, to it yeah. being much cheaper, you also have to do a lot less production design because when you shoot black and white, you don't have to worry about the color of things. Mm-hmm. So. They made really smart choices, right? I mean, this is a, these are really smart choices made to work with what you've got, right? Um, and so I think the limitations of the technology forced these choices that ended up being integral to the to the film's success, mm-hmm. which is just kind of I'm furthering what you're saying, which is that when you don't have those technical limitations, it doesn't force you to make as many decisions. And mm-hmm. when you're not making decisions, you're not you're not making a film i mean you're you might be capturing an image but filmmaking is all about making decisions and i mean i know it sounds kind of you know <laughs> like <laughs> broad but my mm. point is that right it's like it's the decisions that make it unique right mm-hmm. and when you're forced to make decisions uh I, I think it it can depending on what you choose to do work out for the best and they made really smart decisions in that way um so i totally agree with you yeah, uh, yeah. And, and 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 so gosh darn it what was the other thing i was going to say i forgot but 
So that's just, a, but those well, are some maybe like, I, I have a quick thing and, and maybe yeah. you'll remember it while I, while I'm talking, but, um, this is what happens when you get old, when you get old, Colin, this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you made a good point about the, the shutters, right? About, um, and I actually didn't even know that, but I, I kind of guessed it when I was sure. watching it and I was like, yeah. I was like, I bet that was so they could shoot. Oh, continuously I want to talk about like this. That, right? I want to, I want to talk about this, the writing. Okay. I just want to oh, go yeah, back yeah. to that. You know, you talk about the the prevalence of technology, of easy technology. Um, writing has not gotten any easier. Mm -hmm. The story has not gotten any easier. That's the thing that is still as hard as it ever was, okay? Mm -hmm. Even with these chat AI bots and all this horse pucking, okay? <laughs> God, <yeah. laughs> Look, the reality is, is that it comes down to a film lives on the foundation of a good story. Mm -hmm. And... That's no easier now than it ever was ever at any point in history. And that's so that's the other thing that I see just to like extrapolate a little bit from you is that, look, you can have all the technology in the world and you can capture a lot of really beautiful images and you can capture crystal clear, perfect, wonderful 7.1, you know, surround sound. But if the story isn't compelling, if it's if it's not interesting, then what do you have? Mm -hmm. So you know, uh, there's not really a story per se here in this film, but nonetheless, the writing is unique. It's yeah. compelling and it clearly comes from a specific place. Like this is, this is authentic. This mm -hmm. is not cynically measured to find an audience. This isn't it's calculated. Not focus -tested, yeah. It's not focus tested. It's not, you know, run through a bunch of filters to make sure it doesn't offend someone. I mean, I I was shocked, frankly. Well, not shocked, but I mean, I was surprised at how, like, blue this stuff, the, con the like, subject mm -hmm. is in this mm -hmm. film. I hadn't seen it in so long. I'm older now, so maybe I'm, like, more of a square. But, you know. <laughs> Pearl clutching. <laughs> I, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. Like, yeah, a lot of the I, 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 I mean, I literally, like, I, I can't think of a film released today that would go anywhere near mm -hmm. the the like dialogue and subject matter that the characters talk about in this film like yeah. i can't think of one yeah. can you think of a film well it, and that's it, that's exactly what i mean too is that it's funny too because not only did the friend of mine who was obsessed with this movie love the style but like that humor was yeah. so his style of humor so he would always come up with these like filthy filthy like oh jokes and things like that and and that was like his big thing was so, just so he didn't he didn't quote Kevin Smith, but he he you got to hear a lot of like oh, Kevin yes. Smith inspired jokes though, so yeah. you had to survive oh, my that all and, for four years straight. But <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I can only imagine. But but it is like you look back, and I mean, I feel like you've got to admit that it connected with a lot of people on on at least like some levels because mm -hmm. like Jay and Silent Bob are like the part of our like culture cult icons yeah, yeah they're yeah. like cult icons and and there's like these little catchphrases i kind of joked like snoochie boochies before but there's all these little things and mm -hmm. that's impressive and i think like as as he's been so successful as a writer he's found this large audience that loves him that he connects with that he has what seems to me to be like a really fun relationship with, mm -hmm. right? He mm -hmm. he gets a lot from them, he gives a lot to them, he does Q and A's and talks and um I you know, I've listened to commentary tracks on many of his films and it's like you had mentioned that it was it seemed pretty clear to you that people were having fun making this mm -hmm. film. And, and and it's like it still seems that way, that after all these years, he's still having a blast doing this stuff. 
And I mean, isn't that what all of us hope for? I mean, well, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I that's just, what I want to talk about the the writing too. That that it can sometimes be, like you said, it doesn't really have like much of a, a plot. But sometimes that can be that's okay. more difficult than like to write than something that has has just a pretty straightforward mood. Like to keep an audience engaged and entertained for an yeah. hour and a half without having any like you know, act structure, narrative push, right. arc, things yeah. like that, um, is, is something that actually is probably more difficult than, than like a, a, a layman would I've really never tried realize. It. Yeah, um, I, it's you know, hard. again, you look at like a, a lot of movies that do that and a lot of them fall flat. The Almost good ones all. stand Almost all. up because they're, they are really authentic like, like this. Um, and to write dialogue that feels, like I said, that kind of like proto improv where it, like it feels yeah. so off the cuff. But I do, I do just want to quickly get this is related to writing too. Um, but just to jump back to the the idea of again, like this writing into the script that the the blinds are closed um, all yeah. day, because you know you produced a feature, um, I've yep. done a feature, um, and I'm sure so. I'm sure we both have so much experience of doing this, where the amount of times that I was writing the screenplay for the movie and would just kind of look at something and go like, well, that's going to present an issue like technically, mm. um, mm. you know, the original ending to the feature that I wrote was supposed to be set outdoors in a forest at dawn, like as mm. the sun was rising and it was a really neat scene, but I was like, I'm either going to have to get this done so quickly that it's going to be crap or I'm going to have to drag a bunch of people out to a forest at, you know, five in the morning three days in a row and have them all hate my guts by the end of it. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to need generators for lighting. And we're going to, and so like, it was just one of these things where I was like, well, I can't afford any of that. Yeah. Um, and it's just logistically going to be a nightmare. So you just, yeah, it's kind of, again, there's this charm to seeing how um, somebody who has made it quite big, who has kind of fulfilled that dream of being able to make movies at, yeah. at a budget that, where they don't have to worry about the money, um, how they began literally, writing that the blinds were closed because or the shutters were closed because they didn't want to have to worry about you know shooting at day night sun not sun and, things like and, that and so. it's literally become like a theme like if yes, you yeah. if you see all the clerks films that kind of like the shutters stuck and like the handmade sign like i assure you were open that's mm -hmm. like a theme it's like a little thing he's made it like a narrative thread and that's and, yeah that's what's that's, really that's kind important, of important, right? Indicative. Yeah. Is, is, is like that, you, you know, not to make this like a how-to indie film episode, but I mean, that always kind of comes up in our, our episodes, but sure. that, that we like, the idea that he include, incorporates, in the, like he doesn't just make it like, oh, he goes in and it's like a pass off pass line of like, oh, the shutters are, are closed. It's, it's like becomes a joke in the movie and like a running gag. And that, that actually works, right? Yeah. And that yeah. actually works. And so, I mean, I think there's tons of, there's, you're right, it, not that it has to be a how-to, but I mean, I think that's a really good lesson of, you know, how to take those supposed weaknesses and, and make them strengths. Because ultimately, I mean, that's the nature of filmmaking. Frankly, it's the nature of, of all art, right? But mm -hmm. it's, I think it's especially true in filmmaking because filmmaking is such a marriage of the technical um, and it's it's such a collaborative process where you're having to work with a lot of different people and it's an expensive art form. So mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. restrictions are like, they're there no matter what. And so you either use them or you get used by them. Yes. But, but one way or another, they're there. And so I think that's a good example, even on a small scale here. But, you know, 
I, um, you know, there's another thing that really inspires me about Kevin Smith. And, and it's the same kind of thing that inspires me to great extent, you know, by somebody like Werner Herzog. And that is that if you look through his filmography, and if you, if you watch his films, with, with very little exception, um, and I think maybe the biggest exception might be the film that he did with, um, with uh, oh, come on, what's the guy's name? Die oh, uh, Bruce. Yeah, Bruce Willis. Willis and, God, and, how, can uh, I, how, how can I Tracy not think Morgan. of Bruce Willis's name? What the hell? <laughs> oh, my yeah, gosh. Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan, Cop Out is the movie. Cop yeah. Out. And so, you know, that's where he was hired. Um, by a major studio to mm-hmm. you know to 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 direct to helm a film that he did not write, although he did edit. But I mean, if you look at all of his films, I mean, there's not a heck of a lot of compromise there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are his stories. They are his films. They are his. This is his perspective. It's his opinion. It's his like. This is his voice yeah. through through all but one of these films. And I'm not saying the cop out doesn't have his. You know. That, that he didn't leave his mark on it. But but I mean, that's amazing. There aren't many directors that can have a 30-year-plus career and say that every film, almost every film they've made, is the film they wanted to make, was the film mm-hmm. that they meant to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's huge, dude. And so, yeah, you know, you can talk subjectively all day long, but there, that he is that's rarefied air. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like he's the, he's like, to me, in a, a strange way, the, the like, other side of, like, the James Cameron coin, mm. um, in okay, this yeah. way that, like, well, James he's Cameron... Definitely, he's definitely on another side, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I mean, is, like, <laughs> is like Kevin Smith is, like, the low-budget version of, of Cameron, not in a stylistic or, you know, oh. personality or, or genre, or subject matter, sense. yeah. Or, yeah, it, it, but rather just in the way that, like, both of them have been, and not limited to them, there's tons of filmmakers that thankfully have been able to do this and have careers like this, but both of them are, are kind of famous for sticking to their guns in, in a way. And Mm. like every single James Cameron movie, there's not a James Cameron movie that doesn't feel like, like James Cameron made every decision Mm -hmm. when it came to that movie. Same with Kevin Smith. Like there's not, and I haven't seen all of his movies, but I've seen, I've seen a handful and of the ones that I've seen, they all feel like, and I actually have seen cop out too. And I, always forget that that's even him but but okay they, yeah the, uh, maybe with that ex- one exception um i i just feel like yeah they all are very much kevin smith movies you know he did yeah. tusk he did yoga hosers i think he's doing like a sequel to tusk about some like moose jaws thing which yeah is, no think, no no I, he is set and in that, canada because okay. it's a, there's can a place I just called comment moose on that? can <laughs> yeah. i just comment on that <laughs> yes okay. yeah yeah Here, and, and here's where i actually think that kevin smith gets props to me above james cameron Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 look, I I'm a fan of James Cameron, but I it couldn't be for more different reasons. I mm-hmm. I appreciate Cameron's vision, his to, his technological prowess, you know. But look, he's making like six Avatar movies. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, let's just be and let's face it. You know, he made two Terminators. He like you know rode off. Um, um, Gosh, why is my brain a freak? Uh, come on. Uh, um, Alien, Ridley Scott. Alien, Alien. Yeah. Ridley Scott. He kind of like rode the co- coattails of Ridley Scott. You know, I, look, and I'm I, I'm not dissing the guy. I mean, you know, I think he's probably sold more box office than anybody ever lived times two. But, but like, you know, like I said, though, six Avatar movies, okay? Which I've seen the first two. They're interesting, but they are very different. I mean, you get Clerks. 
Dogma chasing mm-hmm. Amy. You've got, you know, uh, Red State, which is like radically different than all those movies. Tusk. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, who would have seen that coming? Like, did you have you seen Tusk? I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm just like, what? He has a what? he also has a strange fascination with Canada for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, Canada's wonderful. What can we say? It's not for some reason. But I'm like, and he loves hockey. He's like an honorary Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but there is a lot more variation in style and theme. In in and and there's more, way more risk. I mean, mm-hmm. look, Kevin Smith is able and willing to take risk in a way that Cameron will never, ever, 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 ever take. Mm-hmm. And that's just the nature of Cameron makes $250 million films. You can't take risk. He, yeah. Even though he's yeah. the most successful box office filmmaker to ever live, he can't take risks. He's, still, and he's, you know not, what? he's just confined by that. Yeah, And that's boring. And that's mm-hmm. boring. It's boring. And so honestly, if there were two films that were coming out and it was like Kevin Smith's newest film or James Cameron's newest film, you know what? I might be more interested to go see Kevin Smith's because mm-hmm. I pretty much know what I'm going to see when I see Cameron. I'm not saying I, I dislike Cameron, but I'm just saying if we're comparing the two, yeah, I, yeah. I, well, I, sense. I have to appreciate the risk-taking and the variation in, uh, in, in style and subject and the, the fact that Kevin Smith is willing to go out on a limb and make films as as like far out there as red state and and yoga hosers and tusk mm-hmm. and and clerks from the get-go and dogma um he's he's just got guts dude he's got guts mm-hmm. and i respect yeah. that no it's and it it's exactly what i mean when i say that it's like yeah the double or the opposite sides of that coin right is that one of them works again like you said 250 million dollars and there's there's like again it's that that paradox of film budget where as the budget grows, the eyes that are going to be mm-hmm. peering on that budget also grow, and and you you wind up becoming accountable to a very high number of yeah. people. And I think that's why. And there's and huge don't strings quote attached. Me on this, but I think that Kevin Smith doesn't particularly speak fondly of his experience doing uh, Cop Out. He does not. Yeah, and I think so. I think that I think he got a taste of that, and then I don't know what the budget of Cop Out was, but it was probably his highest budget movie highest budget um, about 30 million uh, okay yeah so yeah. that's a and that's a that's a fair i mean those movies don't really exist anymore the middle budget movie has kind yeah. of all but disappeared but um when that was made that was a pretty standard for like a theatrical comedy or drama that was kind of a pretty like standard action, budget. action action comedy yeah, yeah yeah like something that you'd you'd have you know big names in as well again bruce willis and tracy morgan and yeah i can't remember what the supporting cast is but i'm sure that there's plenty of big names yeah i mean i think i think Um, there there were and i think most just to kind of put that in perspective i mean so he had actually made a fairly decent sized uh budget film before that which was zach and mary make a porno which is mm -hmm, seth rogan elizabeth banks so you know some some decent sized stars that was at about 24 million um and i I, and i think those are by far and away his two biggest budget films i think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everything else he's made in the five to ten million ish range um maybe even a little less more recently like well clerks three was about seven million but yeah i think you know zach and mary and cop out were like his two and jersey girl actually uh was a was a major studio feature film with ben affleck and Liv tyler Mm-hmm. Uh, and even George Carlin, when, you know, by this time, Ben Affleck was a pretty big name. 
Um, yeah. And that was about a $35 million film. So he's made, you know, he wrote those, though. Cop Out was the only film he didn't write. So yeah, he was like a hired hand. Hired gun. gun yeah, on, on yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, if you listen to the... I, I highly recommend listening to the commentary track on Cop Out if you get a chance, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, because he does go... I can't remember, you know, verbatim, obviously. We've got two hours of him talking. And he's almost as verbose as me. But um, but he does go into some of that detail. And it is kind of interesting to hear. I think, like, you know, him and Bruce Willis butted heads and there was mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, and I don't blame him, he's like, you know what? I'd rather make a film with my friends for $5 million where I get to make it the way I want and the time I want and the place I want with my story. And I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. There Again, it's this very interesting, um, this very interesting paradox. Um, I think a lot of people, you and, and again, he's not far and away the only filmmaker that has had. I think that Herzog would probably be similar in that aspect that's what i was like, yeah like herzog's would would always you would never deny the fact that he needs money um and he's very open with that about like how difficult it is for even someone with the name Werner herzog to go out and get funding for a movie um right. and yet i think that he he would consider that like a curse like this idea that you as a like that it's that it's the most expensive mm. hobby ever um yeah <laughs> that like you just need money to to do this and it's a very unfortunate aspect um and yet again i think herzog would also on the same note say that with that extra money comes extra burden um and so so i think it's very interesting you know i i have friends of mine who who are actually sort of in in a place where they're actually starting to get up and i don't want to break any ndas or anything like this so i won't mention anything specific but um that are getting up in this higher budget like it's the first time they've had money offered um you know a a large sum of money offered to to produce a movie um Mm -hmm. that they're in charge of and it's like all of the different things that you just you never had to think about before um you know like like going out and shooting something in an afternoon and then having the people say like what do you mean you're going out and shooting (laughs) and whereas like before it's like yeah if i want to go get a shot i can go out and yeah. and 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 grab something right i don't know how i can pick up my camera and go out and and film and that and, and there's actually not a similar filmmaker again in style but there's there's if you are perhaps if you enjoy this conversation and the things we're talking about here um somebody that you probably um would like to to look up is this guy david f sandberg who um i've only seen one of his movies i've seen lights out but he was a guy that made a short film that went viral on youtube um, and he lived in Sweden with his wife, Ooh. and they used to just like make all these little short films, these short horror movies on YouTube. And, oh, I think um, I've seen Kung yeah, Fury. Then, I've seen Kung Fury. Yep. Yeah, and then that, then he blew the... up um, on YouTube, went viral on YouTube, and Warner Brothers was like, "Hey, we're going to give you money to make this a, a feature film." And um, now he like directs these huge like superhero movies. And again, I haven't seen any of those because they're not for the third time. They're not my cup of tea. But um, but you do, he has a really interesting YouTube channel. I think his YouTube channel name is Pony Smasher. I think and, you're right. Um, he, um, he talks very, very frankly about what it's like to go from being this little guy making short films on his black magic pocket cinema camera in, in his mm-hmm. apartment in Sweden with his wife, with literally no other hands, to suddenly mm-hmm. being in charge of, of these huge crews. And I think that um, 
it really puts it into perspective. And he's also like, he's very open about the fact that he's very introverted and things like that. And, mm. and that he likes, so he, so if you like this conversation about Kevin Smith and you're, you're interested to kind of hear something perhaps in the same vein, I'd recommend he, uh, you check him out because he, he, again, yeah, he just goes into these very, very frank conversations about what it's like and how like he even talks that actually the reason that I thought of him was because he talks about when he was doing, I think one of the Annabelle movies, which is like those big James Wan, um, like conjuring horror movies, one of the spinoffs. Yeah. Um, he, he, he did, did one the, of them. Uh, I can't remember which one, but Annabelle um, creation. And okay. Yeah. So it was like the prequel or something. I never, I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, but I remember I watched a video huge. on it that, where he that was film describing was huge. how, yeah, yeah, they're huge budget. They do really well, well and um, moderate budget. Yeah, like at yeah, least well, pretty reported, standard budget for like a horror. Yeah, yeah, fifteen million and then mm. three hundred million at the box office. Which but is like, he wow. um, he talks in one video about making this choice about like he he wanted to get a shot of of I think looking up a well or something like that, mm-hmm. and he has some experience doing like very very basic visual effects on like After Effects. And so he just got his black magic camera that he used to shoot these little short films on. Like then and this is the old black magic pocket, like the really, really small one that came out yeah. in like twenty thirteen. Um right. and he got that out and he shot these plates and then just kind of comped them together and in, in after effects and it's in the movie. And but he remember he remembered having to like hide the fact that he was doing that from the studio executives and pretend yeah. that this shot that he'd <laughs> comped in his bedroom um was well like, you'll get in trouble in you'll get in trouble with the unions you'll get in yeah, trouble yeah. you know and i mean so yeah <laughs> there's a whole bunch of um you know there's a whole bunch of like i guess for lack of a better term red tape that comes with huge budget so yeah, to go back course. to kevin smith i'm not surprised um when i hear him or any other filmmaker talk about the fact that yeah uh i want to stay making movies and, and there is a certain you know kevin smith kind of has hit this this happy medium where it's like he can make essentially whatever he wants because he's got no shortage of, of clout. And yet, he can also say, like, that's not probably that difficult for him to get this funding because people know that he's just going to make something pretty small budget that'll probably do pretty well. Like, he's got a pretty safe spot that he's kind of etched out in terms of just like, he's not somebody that's going to go to investors and be like, I need $300 million to make my right. adaptation of The Silmarillion. Um, you know, he's going to just say like, hey, I'm going to make another movie with very simple locations with not crazy CGI and just primarily star driven, but like not even big stars, just like, you know, it's driven by the, the, the actors rather than by some huge set pieces. So, so yeah, I think that it, it is um, really interesting. I think that as with, with any filmmaker, you, you, if you really talk about them and learn, like kind of dig into their style, you're going to wind up learning a lot about um, how different people approach movies. And hopefully, if you're an aspiring filmmaker, you can pull some of that away and mm. it'll make you uh, or allow you to make better movies in the future because you can kind of steal their little tips and tricks, right? Well, and I think, you know, maybe one of the biggest, or at least to me, uh, we could finish up on this, but to me, I mean, my biggest takeaways are, you know, that uh, it pays to to maintain your authenticity, that mm-hmm. you know yeah. to 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 keep with your authentic voice whatever that is and to from like a marketing perspective whether you're introverted extroverted kind of what find your style but be an asset to your to your content i mean kevin smith lays out a lot of ways that you can be a major marketing asset for your films because you're going to have to be you know as as an aspiring or as an independent filmmaker you know, you're also a salesperson, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's just a big reality. 
And he is, and I don't mean that in like a cheesy used car salesman kind of way, but I mean that in, you know, it's like Kevin Smith is so smart about his public appearances and his Mm -hmm. media appearances and his public persona and social media and these, you know, his podcast and all these other things he does. And so when people do give him money, when he does get financing, they know, okay, it's not just his film. Like there's this huge machine that Kevin has built that he can apply to the marketing of this film. There's a built-in audience that's substantial that goes mm-hmm. with him from film to film across genre, you know, across anything else. So that's, you know, on a smaller scale. I mean, you know, it's like whether it's your, you know, you've like you've you've rented your local theater for a night to show your to screen your film and you like do a Q&A in front of people. Right. Or you're like, I mean, it's it's like the the macro story that's like larger than the film. That's like how you made the film, who you are as a person. It's so important. I just like want to, you know, finalize by saying it's like I, I forget what kind of extra, you know, it's, it was some like making of clerks or something, some film I was watching. And there was a part that really stood out to me, which was that like Miramax was kind of like st- still I think it was Miramax. I can't remember if they'd gotten all the way to to that point yet but they're like it's either at sundance i think it was like one of the screenings at sundance right mm-hmm. and and it screened pretty well people seemed to enjoy it um but it was really when kevin smith got up for the q a and started talking about his film that the studio was like whoa okay wait a minute because they saw that he was a personality and that he could speak in front of people and that he could speak to the film and that there was this more there than just this like piece of celluloid. Mm -hmm. That's a big lesson, I think, for Mm -hmm. filmmakers. Yeah, not to use corporate speak, but yeah, it's like about this kind of brand that you can build for yourself, right? And that's Uh, the word they would use, but but it's clearly authentic here. I don't want to use that word because this isn't isn't manufactured... um, in in a cynical sense, this yeah, is it's like, not like he's like out there. Yeah, as, this was some authentic. Public system. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's like authentic. He, and you, if you ever see any of his like Q and As, and he's even got some like long form kind of performative kind of things that are released on DVD and stuff, or I think some of them might even be on streaming media, Netflix or whatnot, depending mm-hmm. on what um, country you live in. But but it's I would recommend watching it. And, and like watching how he tells stories about his films and the making of his films and the work that he does, because he's one of the best, not to say again, that that style is necessary. And again, I kind of say, you know, Herzog is exceptional at this too. And Tarantino is exceptional at this. Mm-hmm. They're, they're captivating, they're compelling and they're opinionated. Um, and, and they're just, they're, I think they're really some of the best directors when it comes to successfully marketing their own films with their personalities and with their own inherent natural storytelling skills so anyway that's my my take on it but Mm -hmm. any final thoughts sir no no i think that's uh we covered it. it all i said it all well hey all right everybody well thanks for thanks for listening if you've stuck with us this long, we appreciate you. Even if you mm-hmm. haven't stuck with us this long, we appreciate you. But since you didn't stick with us this long, you are not hearing my thank you. But mm-hmm. we thank you mm-hmm. nonetheless. And Cullen, I look forward to your choice next time. Yeah. Everybody out there, be safe. Have a wonderful couple of weeks. We'll catch you on the flip side. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.